Welcome to the EchoCast, episode 131, Haven is here. This is a podcast about The Division 2, its community, news, speculation, and updates. I am Bond Diesel. I do Division stuff such as this podcast, Twitch streams, and YouTube videos, mostly about Division 2. Please take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on, as well as check me out on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. This week, we will talk about... Title update 12, what's next for Division 2, we'll jump into the Division 3 speculation room, we'll talk about Cyberpunk and Haven, a new game that I really loved. I want to thank this month's Patreon supporters, Hassan, Christian, Darren, Tim, PK, Dale, and Ron. There are no more ads on this podcast, so if you're willing to support and help me keep this thing going as best we can... (laughs) please check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash bonddiesel. If there's anything you request or would like to see to become or stay a patron, please let me know. I'm happy to do it. I'm just not very creative and I'm a little bit lazy. We do not have a state of the game this week. We are not expecting any for at least two, three, maybe four weeks. Um, you know, they uh, massive is uh, taking off. I believe they work this week, as in uh, through the 18th, and then I believe they're off until at least the fourth. So, no official news likely coming, and that's just something I'm gonna have to deal with. Uh, a couple things I do want to talk about before we jump into division stuff is I want to talk about a new game that came out called Haven. That ended up being a game that, um, on paper, it's a game that I shouldn't like because of much of the artistic style, the gameplay style, and really just the point of the game isn't typically what I get into, but I did. And in fact, it might be my favorite game of 2020, and uh, I want to talk about why. So the reason I found out about this game, I wish I would have found out earlier and checked out the demo and maybe even tried to get like a review copy of it. Um, the reason I found out is that Julian Garrity, to wrap this back around to Division, of course, um, his wife works for the company that made the game. Um, they're called the Game Bakers. And they made a game called Fury a few years ago that I never heard of or played. Um, I'm thinking about it because I did like the style of Haven. Um, but this game, you know, on paper, it's got like almost like an anime kind of style it's uh it's like a action sort of turn basey combat type of game uh, it's extremely dialogue heavy and um, specifically deals with the relationship the sometimes intimate relationship between a young guy and a young girl who have ran who have run off together um it just shouldn't have been a game i really cared about and it's it's the first game since Red Dead 2 and maybe even since Hellblade that just had me just really gripped and then when I finished it just heartbroken that it was over and 
it's kind of hard to explain why. So, so the good of the game, which is a lot in my opinion, while it's not the aesthetic, I typically prefer, uh, it is freaking gorgeous. Um, you know, the game bakers aren't a triple A studio. Okay. So you kind of have to go into it kind of being okay with that. Um, but I think they do a lot with their aesthetic and their style, um, where the game overall is very beautiful. There's definitely some kind of, you know, there's, there's some areas where it's a little rough, but overall it, it's a very pretty game to look at. And, um, they use color and clashing colors and like contrast and stuff like that really well. And it's, um, and as you go on, the environments that you play in are different and they change and the way that that happens is really cool. Um, the movement takes some getting used to, and I've seen some people don't really like it. Um, I got used to it and felt like I was able to adapt to it and got to a point where I really, um, actually kind of enjoyed, um, the movement system. You, uh, your characters are using these kind of like anti-gravity boots, um, to move around. And, um, so, so here's one of the mechanics of the game is that, you play like 95% of the game, um, with your partner, um, that they, you don't just like pick one or the other. You technically can, but they're always together except for one small part of the game, but you should play it to find out what that is. Um, and they're always moving in tandem. And, um, what's so fun about the game and, and, and I guess I'll move on to my favorite part while I'm also talking about movement. Um, is that there's like a constant dialogue happening between the two characters. Um, it gets a little repetitive eventually, but never really that bad. And, um, and the, there's a lot of payoffs with it. Uh, there's even like some really cute little things that, and that's not a word I typically say in this podcast, but like, if you're flying like a certain direction for long enough, they'll like even up when they're, when they're both flying beside each other and like hold hands, like I know it's stupid, but as you get into the story and you appreciate the relationship and you kind of see how they got there and stuff, there's like a bunch of little moments that happen where you're, where it's just like, it's kind of like heartwarming. Um, there's even a bunch of different animations where if you leave them idle, they'll just stand there. And then after, you know, 15, 20 seconds, they'll, one will like sit down and they'll start talking about stuff or they'll like hug or it's just, I promise. I know from, from just hearing me talk about it, it sounds like God bond what's happened to you, but it really was, um, it's the context. It's the context that it all happens in. Um, and then the story is really good. The, the story and the dialogue is, is the best part of this game. The actual gameplay is, is good and it's fun to play. Um, I'll get to, that's also where the bad comes in, which I'll, I'll cover in a moment. Um, the combat is, I guess the thing I want to talk about before my favorite part, um, the combat you have to get used to. So I'm not a turn-based guy at all. I don't like the final fantasy games and stuff like that. Um, so this game, uh, it's combat. So you actually control both of the, of the characters at the same time. Um, so on the controller, you're using the D pad and, uh, for me, Xbox that, um, X, Y, B, A, uh, controls and those control each character. And so you're queuing up actions for them to do at the same time. Um, and so they have like two different attacks, uh, a block, and then like a, um, like a, a pacify ability. So at any given time on one of them, you're setting up a block on the other one, you're setting up an attack and then those things happen. So then you reverse it and you go, 
and, and as you get into it and as they open up some abilities, they, they get more powerful as the game goes on. It becomes more fun, but then you hit some enemies that are really difficult and have some like mechanics that you need to figure out how to defeat them. You can't just brute force the whole game. So the, the combat by the end, I appreciated and enjoyed, um, but it definitely wasn't my favorite part. My favorite part of the game was easily the story and the dialogue. Um, the two characters are K and U. Um, K's the guy and use the, the woman. And, um, so, so the, the, the long story short without giving away any spoilers is they live in this, you know, alternate reality sci-fi, um, universe where there's, um, they, they live in a society that seems to be relatively peaceful and good quote unquote, um, but has a bunch of, um, kind of uh, very over controlling, uh, laws and things like that. And one of the things is that, uh, it's kind of like a caste system, um, where like the kind of what you're born into is what you are. Um, it almost has kind of like a, um, hunger games feel to it, uh, the world. And, um, essentially what happened is these two individuals met and a big part of the game is that there's a thing called a matchmaker on this planet, on this, where they're from that when you're born, uh, you get match made with someone. And when you become of age, that's who you marry. And that's who you spend the rest of your life with. And these two people were not matched. Um, and they decide they meet and they decide that they're in love and they take off from that planet and go to another planet that's abandoned to try to escape their, uh, to try to escape what was going to be put on them and their living. Um, and then what happens essentially is the, the authorities on that planet want to come get them. There's some, you know, more, there's some depth to who these people are and stuff. Um, but long story short, you play as these two people on this abandoned, uh, planet that was colonized by the same society, but it was abandoned and you're learning why it was abandoned. You're learning what their people that they know from their planet had to do with it. Um, and they're trying to make the plant habitable for themselves, um, and all at the same time, um, they have an established relationship when the game starts, but they're, they're, they're going deeper into that, learning more about each other and stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's got this gameplay loop where you go out into the world and, um, essentially the world is a bunch of little islands that are all connected by these bridges and you unlock the islands as you discover them and you have to unlock them in certain ways through game mechanics. And, um, essentially you have to visit all of the islands to collect all of, um, a bunch of materials to fix your spaceship, to try to get like further away or to, to truly escape your old planet. Right. And that's what leads into the one part of the game I really didn't like. And I think it'll turn off a lot of people. So before you go and jump in and play it, um, if you can get past all the other stuff that I got past, um, uh, the game is super duper grindy, um, in the sense that there's, uh, these, there's a, there's basically food and building materials that you have to get and you can get them really easily. It's actually really easy to get them and collect them. The problem is, is that it's just still not, uh, it's a bit much. Uh, now if you're listening to this and you're going to go play this game, one thing that I think is good to know ahead of time is, uh, you will eventually, for me, I think as well as about halfway through the game, realize that you don't, 
you can just kind of bust through the game if you don't want to do everything. Basically, a part of this is clearing this infection from each island, and you do it by collecting materials. What I realized about halfway through the game is that I thought you had to clear every island, and doing that was taking for freaking ever. Um, and then I realized in hindsight, no, I ended I ended the story with five times the materials I needed. So if you play this game, um, realize that you don't have to clear every island. And really, um, each clearing the islands is a lot more about um, discovering like little secrets and little side stories and stuff as you're doing the main quest, which is collecting parts to fix your ship. Um, so if you check it out, just keep that in mind that you don't have to farm as much as you think you do. Um, but it's just, it's a game that, uh, there's only been a handful of games in my life that when the game was over, I like felt empty. Um, it wasn't, and it's not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It was a, like a, it was, um, and it's happened with multiple games. Like I said, Hellblade, Red Dead one and two, um, and definitely a few other games in my life where I played them and I really liked them. And then I finished it. And then I was just like, Oh, that was awesome. I wish there was more. And this game definitely fits into that. Um, there is talk of some DLC or maybe even a sequel at the end of the credits. When you finish the game, um, there is like a little like wink, wink, like, Oh, maybe you, you know, we'll see you again, you know, kind of a thing. And I really hope they do because it was dope. It was a, it was a really fun game. Maybe it was because I was, I had COVID when I played it and I was thinking about life or whatever. I'm not really sure, um, what, you know, why I enjoyed it so much, uh, other than what I've said, it's just a fun game to play. Um, but a game I checked out mostly just because, you know, one of the people who made it was the wife of another game designer. I like it ended up being what may be my favorite game of the year. Um, just, uh, it's, it's definitely worth it if you have game pass and you can play it for free. Um, I want to say it's 20 or 30 bucks on other platforms. I would pay that to play it. If you're skeptical, if you aren't really sure, check out some videos. There's some videos of a demo and stuff. You can get a feel for the game, uh, and a style and stuff. If you think it might be your jam, I think it's worth that. Um, but that's kind of up to you. The second topic is cyberpunk, which has become um, a much bigger issue that I'm probably going to cover in full during this episode, um, but I do need to fill some time, so we'll see. So my journey with cyberpunk has been that I don't like Witcher 3, um, and I never played Witcher 1 or 2. So I've never really held CDPR up the way that people do. Um, now I've always been the first one to say that me not liking the Witcher three is, is me. It's not everyone else is wrong and I'm right. I, I, I have no doubt that it's a really good game. I've just started it up and tried to play it two, three, maybe four different times, gotten an hour or two into it every time and just couldn't care less and just, just do not care. Don't like the way it feels. I'm not into like kind of magic-y, medieval-y kind of stuff. That's just not my, not my genre. And, um, I've, it just never stuck with me. I, I just don't think it's like the game of the generation. Everyone else says it is. I think that's Red Dead too, for sure. Um, obviously that's a controversial pick as well. Maybe we can talk about that another time. So with CD PR and with cyberpunk 2077, 
I remember that trailer from back in the day, but I never really thought twice about it um, until the conference uh, when Keanu come, came out and did the, you know, you're beautiful or, you know, whatever, you're breathtaking. That's what it was. Um, and I, when I saw it, what was so funny about it, and and if you, I promise, if you go back and, and see any tweets I made or anything over the years, um, this game, ever since they revealed it a couple of years ago, actual gameplay, um, has just screamed Division One hype to me ever since. Um, and even in the last few months, even before the delays, but especially after the delays, um, all I could think about was, man, this this game's gonna get Division One so hard. Um, and and what and by that, if you don't know what I mean, I mean that when Division's first trailer debuted back in 2013, um, it looked like it was gonna be this like super duper immersive super duper deep super duper detailed game set in new york city and this like giant version of new york city that included like brooklyn and all the surrounding areas um and then division one came out and it was big and it did have depth um but it wasn't it wasn't you know 50 percent of what people thought it was going to be right not to mention all the issues with the game and so in the lead up to cyberpunk, there's just been so, and, and obviously the fandom of the Witcher, Witcher three really got people hyped too. They're like, wow, you know, this is the same people who made Witcher three, which to me is the best game ever, you know, at least on this gen. And that means that this cyberpunk 2077 is going to be even better because they're going to take everything they know from that and go bigger, you know? Um, and, but then the delays kept happening and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, issues with how they treat their employees. Um, and that is obviously a controversial topic because, you know, depending on how big of a fan you are of them, it seems like people kind of go back and forth on whether the things they do are normal or whether they are worse than other studios, or even if it is normal, if it's still a bad thing, you know, that is what it is. Um, so then cyberpunk, uh, starts sending out review codes. And, um, this was a couple days before, or like a week before the game came out. And I remember specifically that there were a few reviewers who were coming out and being like, oh yeah, I got my PC code. I'm playing uh, my, you know, my review will be out soon. And then that time came where their embargo was up and they were allowed to talk. And one of the weird things to a lot of people that, that was getting pointed out was, Hey, they actually only sent us a PC code. And, um, so we don't, so here's my review on the PC version, but we don't know what the, what the console version is like. And, um, and if people, if you remember, if you followed this, um, this last delay, the last three or four week delay they did, they said specifically was to try to get the consoles, um, into, you know, a better state before they release the game. But even after that, they still didn't let, let anyone see, uh, what that, what that meant. So the early reviews come out and, you know, it's, it's nines and tens across the board for the most part. There were a few dissenting voices that gave it, I think like sixes and sevens. Um, many of them mentioning mostly tons of bugs, some game breaking. Um, but then also kind of talking about some stuff that I'll also get at. Um, so then the game comes out for everyone, including people on the OG, um, the PS4 and the Xbox one. Uh, as well as the One X, PS4 Pro, and the new PS5 and Series X slash S. Um, and that's when, you know, the 
shit hit the fan is probably the best way to put it. So um, you've, you've probably seen this, but I'm trying to recap as quickly as I can. So basically the OG PS4 and Xbox ones just don't run the game at acceptable frame rates. And I mean, they legit look like, like PS3 or 360 games. I mean, it's, it's bad. And I know there may even be someone who listens to this or, or I know I've seen it on Twitter where you'll have some random person be like, I'm playing on my release PS4 and it's perfect. So that's awesome. If, if someone is, you know, not being just a fanboy, and if someone is genuinely feels that way, that that experience that they're getting is great, then that's 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 fine. The problem is, is that you know, from Digital Foundry and lots of other people who you know do a lot of these performance tests on games and stuff. Um, with the PS4, you're looking at like 720p and like 20 to 25 FPS, sometimes dipping below that. On the Xbox One, you're talking about um, sometimes not even 720p. I think it drops down to like 680 at times. Um, and you're talking about like 20 FPS. And you're talking about it dropping down to, to almost to the 10s, the, the to the teens. Um, and that's just, ob- that's just objectively bad. Uh, and there's just no, you know, there's not really any arguing against that. If that's all you know, and you've only played consoles, you've never played, and you've never had a One X or the new systems, or I still, even then, I think that you're kind of fooling yourself if you're really telling people that you think that's a good experience, those stats. Um, But beyond that, it seems like the biggest issues with those OG consoles is the fact that, like, the the load in and, I mean, the, the hitching and stuff on Xbox especially is literally like there's footage of where, you know, someone turns a corner and the game just hitches for, you know, a minute and then you can move again and then it hitches again. And so where a lot of the issues have come from is that there was kind of this, there's this feeling and it seems pretty correct at this point um, of, yeah, they, they didn't give out console codes because if they did, their Metacritic score would get, tanked um now to be fair metacritic does the platform separately so pc would have been separate from xbox one and separate from xbox series x but anyways you know they they there's accusations that they you know hid this on purpose because they knew how bad it was um despite you know that last you know three four week delay and then um there was also an issue with the reviews where even for the PC codes they sent out uh, before release day, they did not allow reviewers to use the reviewers own footage. They were only allowed to use the canned footage. They were sent by CDPR. And what's kind of funny in hindsight is that obviously the, the majority of people were just excited to see or, and to put out new content for this game that's been so anticipated. But there were a few voices. I, I believe ACG, Skill Up, as well as a few other people, and even some of the people who did reviews were like, you know, this only reflects, this review only reflects the PC version. We don't know about the console because we haven't played it yet. And Skill Up and ACG, I think, straight up, you know, didn't put out reviews um, because of those limitations, at least not yet. Or if they did, they did it after release. And, um, and what's interesting is that 
so now we know. So now we know the, the, the OG consoles are awful. The One X and the PS4 Pro are decent. Like they, they definitely run it better. And then the PS5 and Series X run them. They're running the old versions, but because they're so much more beefy, they're running them pretty consistently and fairly well. So what's interesting is that, you know, the overall narrative, especially from kind of more of the fanboy side and, and people who are liking the game is, oh, they're going to fix the bugs. They're going to fix, you know, they'll make performance a little bit better on those old systems as best as it can be. Um, but it's a really great game. and I'm having fun. But then as you start, you know, as the days have passed and as you're starting to see some more in-depth reviews and, and stuff like that, the, the picture that's kind of being painted is, yeah, the bugs and stuff suck, but those will get fixed. The issue now is kind of shifting to this thing of, well, there's a couple things. One, that it's really starting to look like this wasn't just like a like a whoopsie kind of thing. Like, oops, we didn't know it was going to be that bad. It was more of like a, oh, we super knew it was awful, but we really need to make money. Uh, so please ignore, you know, back when we said when we posted the release date as when it's ready, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I'm sure they're deleting those tweets as we speak. Um, the other issue is that there's a bunch of stuff just missing from the game. Um, even if you're talking about, you know, people with a 3090 and the newest processor and, you know, these beefy machines, um, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of bugs, even in the PC version, um, they'll be fixed, but they're pretty bad. Um, especially it seems like in the later missions and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, but there's things that go on in the game where like, even in the highest, you know, fidelity, you know, you have lots of like, of the random NPCs are like clones of each other and they're walking around. Um, they're kind of, um, it's very Truman show esque where, um, games like red dead, even old grand theft auto, um, even games like watchdogs and stuff, uh, assassin's creed where these games have done a pretty good job of making it feel like you're in like kind of like a living world, and you're just existing along with all of these other people who are existing. Um, you know, cyberpunk has a very big feeling of like, everyone's just there for you and only reacting to you. Um, the NPCs all have like one line that they'll use when they're interacted with. Um, a lot of the canned animations and canned like situations that happen around you will happen over and over and over and over again. Um, one specific example is there's like a, like a food machine and someone will be standing at it. And a reviewer I was watching said that he he's like, oh, you know, this is a unique piece of dialogue that this man's having at this machine. I bet if I hang out, like a quest will come up, like where the machine is going to like blow up and kill him. And it'll just be something funny to see. And instead it was just that NPC repeating the same line over and over again, endlessly. Um, you know, there's issues like, like the, in the old trailers and then some of the night city things it it seemed like there was supposed to be this kind of like wanted system or this police system of bounties and stuff like that. Uh, when what it really is, is if you do something bad, the police spawn in behind you. And then if you run away a hundred meters, they just stop looking for you. They, they don't chase you. There's no, there's no system for that. So if you do something bad, they instantly pop in behind you. They don't, you know, like even in like old grand theft auto games and stuff like the police pull up, they get out of their cars, the ambulances show up. Like, you know, there's like a whole you know, fire trucks. That's like a whole big thing. Um, in this game, it's literally out of thin air that their cars pop up and they pop out up outside their cars. And that's how police work. 
Um, there's a good example of this where someone found a really secluded area and I think like pushed an NPC into it where it was like at the top of a building on the edge of the building. So there was no police around. There was nothing. There's no one around. And then they shot the NPC in the head and killed him. And then they spun around and there's police everywhere and in cars on top of this building. So it's just, it's systems like that, that I think people um, were expecting this to be this like layer upon layer, super deep game. Um, on the other hand, even from me, my own experience from watching a lot and just from other people's reviews, it seems like people like the story well enough. They like the characters that the voice acting is mostly good. There's definitely some lower parts, but that's going to happen in giant games like this. Um, like, it seems like people are enjoying the game. It's just that the game isn't what they, they were expecting and not what they felt like they were being sold for these so many years. And, um, for me, I actually end up canceling my pre-order. Um, shroud and Dr. Lupo both had early access and those are two of the main streamers I watch now. I kind of just don't have time to watch many others. Um, and they're the ones I just prefer. And after watching, um, so at this point, either through VODs or live while I was at work or at night after everyone goes to bed, um, I've watched both of their playthroughs, like 85% of their playthroughs, but definitely the beginning and definitely the end. I think I missed a little bit in the middle for both of them. And what was interesting to me and the reason I canceled my pre-order is that even them on, you know, obviously, I mean, Lupo has literally a three PC brand new uh, streaming setup. Um, shroud has a, I'm sure he has a 3090 and all the fancy good, you know, all the fancy gadgets and tech, you know? Um, and even them, like literally you can watch either one of their VODs or streams for an hour on this game and just see, I mean, borderline countless bugs and issues and not all of them are game breaking, but some of them are, and they definitely ran into multiple ones. And the thing I noticed big time was that in the final mission, quote unquote, um, it doesn't even look like that mission went through QA. Like, and it probably didn't. I suspect that they were hoping that they would be able to maybe do some bug fixing and stuff before most people got to that point. Obviously, these streamers are going to get there within a couple of days because they're streaming all day. I think Shroud did like a 14-hour stream or longer. He might have even been off for longer. Um, I think Lupo did too. So I just... But even you know what they've said, what, what a lot of reviews are starting to kind of come out and talk about is that, yeah, these bugs are awful, but those will get fixed. The performance blows, but that will get improved at least as much as it can. But that the game is is really wide. There, there There's a lot in the world, but it's about six inches deep. It, it's not, there's, there's not much depth. And that's uh, a good comparison I've heard people say is that if, if the Cyberpunk was CDPR's first game, and then they made The Witcher 3, it would be like, oh, wow, they made a good game, and then they made an amazing game. But the issue that it seems like a lot of the reviewers are having and a lot of players are having is that it seems like they've actually taken a pretty big step back, and whether that was because of the delays, whether that was because of you know whatever reason, is that they, they, didn't, they didn't improve, and in fact, in a lot of ways, from a gameplay perspective, they regressed. Um, and I think that's what's upset people so much, um, it's made me super pumped. I didn't buy it. Uh, I got my money back when I could. Um, and then definitely CDPR's response since then has been rough. They've not really helped themselves. They've, they've been kind of 
you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are maybe a little too big of fans of them who are saying things like, Oh, well, well fans made them release it. You know, they, people got mad that they delayed it, but now they put it out and they're mad that it's not, you know, in good shape. You can be both. It's okay to be upset that they, you know, set a date and then didn't meet it. And then you know, you're upset that it, it didn't come out when you wanted it to. And then you can also be upset that when it comes out, it's not what you expected. And it's in a lot of ways bad. And what always happens in these situations, whether it's video games or, or even like, you know, creators, I've seen a lot of that lately too. When what happens a lot is that, you know, the people trot out like, oh, well, people are treating the devs, you know, directly, you know, you know, they're giving them death threats or even when it happens to a creator, like, well, this creator got a death threat from some asshole. Um, you know, that's the worst. That's awful. You know, no one should get death threats or anything. The devs specifically, the individual developers absolutely did the best they possibly could in this situation. I have no doubt in my mind that until that last minute and even after, I'm sure today, there's devs crunching right now to work on patches and stuff like that. So those people, individuals, absolutely don't deserve to be berated and attacked. And I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of them or the vast majority of feedback isn't going directly to those people. Some of it is and some of it's awful and that sucks. But that doesn't negate the fact that CDPR and their upper management and their executives and just them as a entity absolutely deserve all of the shit they're getting and more in my opinion, for sure. So there's this weird game that gets played where it seems like people who, you know, maybe are a little more kind or a little more willing to accept what maybe they shouldn't are, are, are the first people to say like, or have you even seen other you know developers or other publishers talk about it being like, well, you know, people are going after the devs and that's not okay. And I think most reasonable people would say that's, that's true. People shouldn't go after the devs. They're doing their best, but that doesn't negate all the bullshit. <laughs> and that's a big thing that's happening right now. Um, there's recently an issue with a couple of creators who have been featured on a bunch of different platforms lately. Um, and there's some people who were accusing them of only getting attention for particular reasons um, that they were promoting themselves as well. And that particular thing isn't, it's not, it's stupid. It's stupid to get mad about that. There's no story there. But the problem is, is that the individual creators were really not helping themselves with their way they were acting and reacting and things like that. And so there's this, you know, there's these situations where like, you, you can, you, we can multitask, you know, we can appreciate what devs have done or what creators do or stand for. And also call out the bullshit when there's bullshit going on and and that's okay to do both. Um, it's not an either or situation and uh, it's okay to like cyberpunk. You should have seen it from what I've seen. It's a really great game, but it's not what they said it was going to be. And in fact, it's a lot worse, uh, with the bugs and stuff. And, but even when those things get fixed, this game still has a lot to be desired and it's missing a lot of stuff that it shouldn't after all this time and all this promise. And that's where I'll leave it. Okay. 34 minutes into the show and we are just getting to division stuff. So, uh, so division two, so title update 12 came out fairly recently. I did not do a podcast last week. Cause I really hadn't had much time to play to 12 yet. So I wanted to wait. 
So I'm going to save any spoiler stuff for the division three part. So don't worry about that with Viper, but I'm going to talk about that manhunt. Uh, so for T12, so the big change is obviously the new gear and stuff like that. Uh, there's the new gear set, which I actually haven't messed with or the new brand. I've seen them. I've been kind of speculating and watching videos and stuff. They seem like they have use, both of them. Um, but man, I'm, I'm a hardwired pony. I, I just, that that's my build. Um, but I may need to expand my, uh, my, my outlook a little bit. What I will say is that some of the new guns, uh, the freaking, uh, named PDR is my favorite gun in this game now that has perfectly in sync on a assault rifle. Um, I use that along with the harmony on my hardwired build now, and it is dope. It does so much damage. It is so fun. I actually did get the exotic from doing the summit challenges. Um, and I can like, it's one of those things where I look at the exotic. And I'm like, that's a, that gun is great. Like I should be using that. And I'm not just because I like the name version so much. Um, is it like test subject or something? I forget what it's called. Um, so yeah, new gear, especially new guns. I'm a big fan. They're dope. Uh, the summit, the changes to that. So I dove in a little bit, um, and messed around with it. I think I've gotten up to like level 30 or something. That's how I did my project and got, um, my challenges done to get the new exotic PDR. Um, and, and I like it, you know, at this point, the summit for me, all it's really missing is just some more variety in the different floors. Um, I honestly think, uh, I was farming assault rifles there to try to get all, you know, assault rifle, a few more assault rifles with the things I like. And it, I mean, you can get a, an epic crap ton of gear drops between the challenges, between, you know, all the different things on there. Now it's, it's a great place to farm specifically because you can pick what drops that's that's pretty dope. Um, again, I still think that the actual levels are kind of whatever. I don't like some of the phases that you go through some of the, um, like the EMPs and stuff like that. I just, I don't love some of the things in there. I haven't messed with the, um, the modifiers yet. So I'm going to do that with some of the challenges soon. I typically don't like those things, but you know, I'll mess with them, but the summit, I mean, I think the summit is now where they probably wanted it to be when they released it. Um, I still thought the summit wasn't going to come until after two, after, uh, the last manhunt. Um, when we heard about the summit, I just assumed it was going to come in like March after I think the game is basically done as, as this, here's this last thing to do. Um, I don't know why they put it out because they obviously put it out early. It obviously wasn't done because they've already had you know, two pretty major updates to it. So, but the summit in TU 12, I, think it's a nice place to go grind throw on the podcast throw on something throw on this podcast and just play it's it's not overly i play on challenging i thought about doing some heroic heroic or legendary but i just kind of like having fun i'm playing this game at this point i'm not trying to get that sweaty but if you want to go nuts uh the viper bounty um you know these these bounties are the same thing basically these rogues um you do all your tasks and then you do your bounty and then it's over. Um, it, it was actually kind of funny. The first time I faced Viper, uh, it's in, uh, in the Southwest region, which is actually in the Southeast of the map. Uh, the bounties always spawn in that far, 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 far East, 
uh, place, the first place that we saw Black Tusk uh, during the World Tears. Um, and they always spawn over there. And, and I hate that spot for bounties because there's no easy way to get to it. You always have to run through like 15 different mobs to get to it. And it's a nightmare. So the first time I tried to fight Viper, I ended up making the wrong move and getting killed in the final fight that's on the outside of that building. Um, and then the next one, uh, I was in the, what I thought was the second to last stage of the bounty only to realize that this time Viper spawned inside and I killed her and didn't even know it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, these bounties are what they are with the manhunt. They aren't really that interesting gameplay wise. They're just like a normal bounty, but it's fine. But the comms were a big highlight here, but I'm going to save that for the division three talk because it applies there. Um, the one thing I will talk about here though, that is a bit of a spoiler heads up is that um, Viper, the character, her dad is the guy who is uh, runs our shooting range in the white house. So this is one of those things where like, I kind of wish that maybe they address that. <laughs> the fact that now after, you know, that Viper portion is over. Now we go to the white house and we test out our guns and we're getting like side eye from this dude who, I don't know, we just murdered his daughter, <laughs> but I'll talk more about that in a moment and why there's another part of what we learned from Viper that I think may have something to do with division three. Um, but I'll speculate that on that in a moment. Um, the other big thing that did happen uh, shortly after TU 12 was that they did put out a fix for the memento backpack. Uh, people of course found a way to cheese PVP go figure, um, by, uh, basically figuring out a way to make memento, uh, to get a bunch of tokens without actually killing people and just have like hilarious armor and stuff like that. It has been fixed. Um, and they actually fixed it pretty darn quickly, which I think is awesome. Um, and you know, this, this first T 12, um, kind of leads me into a, a quick discussion of what I think is left for division two. You know, I've been kind of bringing up division three a lot and things like that. And I've been thinking a lot more about like what's actually gonna happen with two, because if, if a division three is coming, I would guess it was originally slated for March of 2022 but with the COVID delays and stuff like that, you really have to wonder, like, is that still realistic? Uh, is there a chance that maybe it's been pushed back if it's coming to a November, 2022, uh, please remember that division one was originally intended to come out in November of 2015. Um, and then it got delayed back to March again, parallels to cyberpunk. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, so, or, or even potentially division three could have, could be pushed back a whole year at this point, back to 2023. Um, and so what would that, what would that mean for division two? So what I think is going to happen, I still think that there's probably a 2022 release date for division three, if it's currently in development. But what I think that's going to mean is, you know, I've seen speculation and some people even saying that, you know, they've heard that there's like a season five. I haven't heard that. And I think I would have, um, I think season four is it. Um, and what I think is probably going to happen. If you think about it, um, these seasons have run for what since, uh, from March till January, February, February from, from, uh, March to February, basically a whole year. Um, what I think is going to happen is that they'll figure out a way to rerun the seasons 
starting in like May or something or even April. Um, and the reason I think that could work is because I think that would very likely lead to a potential March or April or sometime in 2022 release of the next game. Um, I would hope that they would do some kind of system like what they did with division one, where they had the shield system. Um, I hope if they do something, it's a lot more interesting than the shields because those ended up being kind of a dud in my opinion, only my own, of course. Um, but I, I think that's, what's going to happen. I think we're going to see them run back through the seasons again, that you can play it all again. Maybe they'll throw in some extra rewards or something, but with them having the optimization station and the best way to get materials for that being from the seasons and the manhunts and the events, uh, it only makes sense to me that even after, uh, season four is over the best way to keep giving people ways to keep using that optimization station is to keep running seasons. And I don't believe that they're going to run a season five, six, seven, eight. Um, I think this is it. Um, a big part of it too actually came out. I saw it today where someone who um, I, I don't believe is with massive anymore, but was talked about how this, um, the fail out story that's happening is the last narrative thing they did with division two. Uh, and so maybe they left massive before they could work on more seasons or whatever, but I'm going to guess that they finished that and then they were done with division two and they've since moved on. So that's just my guess. That's why I'm That's why I'm thinking. Um, I, I just, I think that we're going to run through the seasons again. I hope they throw in some cool stuff. Um, I do have some speculation about some division related things that may happen, uh, in 2021. Uh, but I'm going to try to mostly keep that under wraps because, uh, I don't want to mislead people. I'm not trying to make some clickbait videos and, you know, make up fake NDA letters and uh, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not doing that. Now on that topic, let's jump into the, the division three speculation room. Uh, so my typical uh, start here is during the last podcast, I believe I said that there were 15 jobs listed on massive's website. Um, there's now 16. So I couldn't figure out exactly which one was new. I couldn't remember what the old ones were. I want to say, I think there's a, there's a brand specialist for a unannounced project. My guess is that I think that was the new one. I feel like I recognize the other ones, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, again, I mean, they're massive has snowdrop. They have Uplay, they have avatar and they have what appears to be a pretty tiny team still working on division two. So they're hiring a bunch of people for an unannounced project. I think the logical guess is that that's a division three because they're working on avatar and division three. Those are their two main IPs from back when I read David Polfelt's book, their whole vision for massive is to have their own engine snowdrop and have two big IPs to work on avatar and the division. I don't see them adding a third IP. I don't think that they are hiring all these people to make a division two update. Um, the hiring they're doing and a bunch of their partner studios who worked on division two are also hiring. It just seems logical, but I could be wrong. They may be working on another world and conflict game or something else. Who knows? Um, there is a slight possibility they have a third IP because up until recently, there were a bunch of job postings for a massive Stockholm, which I believe is like a little, like a little, a smaller studio associated with massive that's across the, um, across the Bay or whatever, um, from them. 
So there may be, but I would imagine that would be like, like a double a project or something smaller. Um, but we'll have to see. It could be a support studio for whatever they're doing, like a potential division three. We'll have to wait and see. Um, because there were never any NDAs or anything involved here. Um, I was actually contacted about doing a play test of something for red storm. Um, or well through red storm, it in theory could be for any of their studios. Uh, it was supposed to happen. Um, and then it didn't. And I know a few other people who have been contacted about the play test who also said that it didn't happen for them. So my guess is that something happened to whatever game was going to get tested and they canceled it entirely. They didn't notify us of that. I emailed them to try to get some kind of answers and never got a response. Um, so because I didn't actually see what we were supposed to test, I don't know anything about what it was. What I can say is that there was some stuff that led me to believe it's division related. Um, maybe it's for like a big DLC. Um, I can't imagine if they're working on a division three right now, there's no way they already have like play testable, especially like for outside eyes. There's no way it's for something like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's something worth keeping an eye on though. Um, and then the last bit is actually some of the spoilers from Viper. Um, which I assume most people who are listening to this have already completed that bounty. But one of the little details that I think may end up mattering for a division three is that Viper um, is a black tusk operative. And that's why she's working with Faye in this manhunt. But we find out through the comms that she's actually a, un, like she's actually a division agent. Um, she's not technically rogue though, because I mean, she is now because she's in the manhunt, but Technically, she's not because she was never activated. Um, and she actually talks about that and how she was waiting to be activated and she never was. So, so far, we know of two big waves of activation. Um, the first wave, which, you know, like Aaron Keener was part of and, uh, and a bunch of other agents. You know, we only know about the first wave agents really from Division One in New York City. Um, in the book, in the comic, you know, we get some elaboration on other, you know, agents that were activated at first. And then we know there was a wave two of agents released, which included our agent in division one. Um, and, and, in theory, our agents in division two, see the thing in division two is really, you can make up your own backstory for your agent. Um, starting with that opening scene somewhere in the Northeast, um, your agent in division two could be an agent that survived the first wave or was activated in the second. It really, it's up to you, in my opinion. What's interesting to know is that I assume that the second wave activation was was activating the rest, was activating all of them. Um, in the art book for Division 2, it actually goes pretty deep into the uh, bureaucracy and the organization of, the, of Shade and the Division, um, and to realize that there is like an upper echelon of leadership. Um, my only issue is that we see basically none of that in the game. <laughs> um, in, in, in the art book, it talks about there being like, you know, you have like, there's, there's even different divisions in the division. There's like a, uh, like a, Oh, an R and D part of the division that creates all these crazy tech, much of it, what we saw down in the DARPA labs. Um, and then there's like a whole leadership thing that goes up to the president. And, um, one thing I really hope that maybe they elaborate on, on at some point is like pointing out that 
there is, there are like lieutenants and there, you know, even though the agents are supposed to be kind of on their own, they're like individual operators in theory, there is leadership. Um, but we've not really seen any of that. I think even Manny in division two is, was just a, a JTF guy they pulled in to help. Um, and then Fei Lau in the first game was just an agent that had to take over leadership when the leader got killed uh, by uh, the LMB and that rocket attack on his Osprey. So they, they've, they've kind of never really made it super clear that there actually is a leadership structure. Um, and, and what I think is interesting about that little tidbit about Viper is what that tells me is that she probably wasn't the only not activated agent left in the world, right? So I'm curious to if a potential division three or something could um, toy with the idea of like, well, there might still be a whole nother third of the agents left who aren't activated yet and are still waiting. And it would make sense that they haven't been activated because after the wave two agents were activated, I imagine that's around the same time that Ellis took over um, after the, the president and the vice president quote unquote died. Um, and if Ellis was in the pockets of, of black tusk and was, you know, conniving things, then why would he would absolutely, he would never say to activate the rest of the agents. Why would he want more shade agents? So I'm kind of curious, um, about what like a division three could look like. And there's a few possibilities in my opinion. So, um, again, these are, these are season four spoilers. I'm I'll try not to go into too much detail, but long story short, I think that the end of season four is going to end with the agents potentially all being marked rogue. And what could be interesting about the fact that all of these agents are not activated yet is that in theory, all of the existing agents could get marked rogue for plot reasons. And whoever takes over, you know, whoever the president is could say, well, Hey, we still have more agents. Let's activate them so they can fight off all these rogue agents that, you know, are bad or whatever. Um, so I'm wondering if that may be where this is going, but the fact that they've made clear to us that there are a bunch of agents that are, you know, trained division agents that are not currently activated. Um, I mean, that has to, there, there has to be something going on there. So I really hope they elaborate on that. Okay. So, uh, for listener questions, I don't have any this week. I didn't see any, um, I may have missed some, but, uh, let me know on Twitter, YouTube, during my streams, you can email me, uh, check out my discord where, um, I have a, a room just for questions. Um, feel free to ask me questions or speculate things or throw out your ideas and I can talk about them. What I think of them, um, please do it. I love, um, that interaction. Uh, as for content updates, uh, streams and the podcast may be a bit weird for the next couple of weeks. Um, because we do have Christmas coming up, new year's, um, you know, my wife will be home. Uh, she's a teacher, so she's off that whole time, uh, which means that the little one will also be here the whole time. And, uh, you know, I'll be a little busier than normal during the week. So, um, I'll do what I can. Hopefully with streams, I can actually stream maybe a little bit more. It'll probably mostly be in the mornings, uh, Eastern time. And, uh, yeah, so just don't be surprised. Um, there's also the factor of, I don't know if there's really going to be any information for me really to talk about uh, for the games industry. These next few weeks is pretty much dead time. Um, like I said, the massive employees and massive is shutting down um, after this current week and they'll be done for a couple weeks. So there won't even be any like stupid things I can speculate on more than likely. So, um, and there probably won't be much until the next day of the game or until the next manhunt, which is still like you know two weeks away. 
So um, I will update as needed or as I can, but just you know, know that there's a decent chance there won't be another podcast for another week or two. That's it. I am Bond Diesel on Twitch where you, I try to stream two or three times a week, sometimes more. Uh, I am on Twitter as at Bond Diesel or my division only channel at the Echo Cast. Uh, if you want some cool Echo Cast or Bond Diesel merch, check out designbyhumans.com slash shop slash Bond Diesel. That's all I have. So until next time.